This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game... This year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv. An unmatched dual threat. All right, today's show is brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket, Deal Dash, and Bet Online. Quite a few ads today. Um, but if you notice the audio of this podcast, you're going to notice it's a little tinny, and that's because I forgot to plug in my microphone. And it created, you know, it's, the audio is fine, it's listenable, but it's not the same crisp audio you're going to get from me on a week to week basis. I apologize in advance. Uh, it was super annoying when I found out after I recorded the podcast with the leak on that my microphone wasn't plugged in. It's one of those things that happens to every podcaster, one out of every hundred episodes or so. So uh, I just wanted to go ahead and you know give you guys that disclaimer. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the show otherwise. Blue Wire. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. <laughs> What's up, guys? We're going to Juice Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali, at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Alikhan Bajani of The Athletic. How you doing, man? Good, good. How are you, Solomon? Good to be back. Yeah, it's been months since since you've been on the podcast. Uh, I've been trying to get you on for, for a while now, but you've been dodging my calls, man. Nah, man. I've just been so busy, dude. Um, this Just trying to stay busy, but nah, man. I'm glad to be back. Hopefully, we'll have a lot to talk about um, from the for the next few months. For sure. Um Actually, before we get into the podcast, I want to promote my newsletter really quick before I forget. So I launched the State of the Rockets newsletter last week, and it's came it's come off pretty well right now. But I want to go ahead and give that another plug. Uh, let me go ahead and explain what it is first. So in January, I started writing this article called State of the Rockets, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. Fans don't follow you or I because they think we're handsome. Like they they don't listen to the podcast because I think I'm funny or entertaining. They they follow us because they want to know what the, how their favorite team is doing. So that's what this newsletter is, and that's what it tries to accomplish on a weekly basis. It's it's a weekly check-in on the Rockets from my perspective that contains stats, play breakdowns, quotes, opinions, and angles that maybe I didn't get a chance to cover during the, the week. Uh, it's free to sign up. The newsletter goes straight to your inbox, and it's a fairly easy read. It's like 10 to 15 minutes, and you get a quick behind-the-scenes look at what I'm seeing and hearing every week. There we go. Did I sell that pretty good? 
No, I, I think you did. And if for everybody listening, I highly, highly recommend um, subscribing. Honestly, I think Solomon is one of the best, um, not just Rockets writers out there, but I think he's one of the best writers in the NBA period. He's somebody who's a superstar in the making. So I want you guys to get on the train now. Um, he, he provides as good as coverage as you're going to get from anywhere else. So I'm already subscribing. and I hope you guys subscribe too. Well, thank you. You didn't have to lie to the people at the end there, but but that that is that is great. Um, so let's get to some news. Mike D'Antoni told us today that he thought Russell Westbrook was going to play tomorrow against the Spurs, and that James Harden would be resting along with Eric Gordon, um, and also that Harden and Gordon would return against the Pacers, and that Westbrook would sit that game. Uh, so that's what we think will happen. The injury report lists Westbrook as questionable tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Uh, my question is, does it worry you that the Rockets are three games away from the playoffs and they don't have a clean bill of health yet? I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think there's there's something to be said about going into the playoffs and willingly choosing to rest players versus just having some kinks and issues. Um, and that's where the Rockets are. They have things. They're trying to be as extra and, and cautious as possible. I wouldn't be too concerned if you're a Rockets fan about Russell Westbrook's uh, right quad contusion, it shouldn't be a big issue. They're, they're being extra careful with him. But I think you're right, Salman. I think that question is a fair question. That is something to consider because a lot of these other teams who are arresting their players are doing so because they don't really have anything to play for. Yes, the Rockets don't either. But, you know, it'd be great for them to ha- have had Eric Gordon those first few games and others to be able to build those consistency, consistency with. They, they are going to go with the nine-man rotation. And as much as people may not want to admit it, Chemistry matters, and especially with a small ball team like this, you're seeing the Rockets' chemistry in form, especially defensively these last few games. Um, they've had some great stretches, and that's all because of their chemistry and willingness and playing those extra minutes together and understanding how they play with each other. But having Russ and Eric back, even as for those three games, will help, but it sure would have been better um, if they were going in with a cleaner bill of health. Yeah, and as far as Russ, uh, you're 100% correct and that fans shouldn't worry about this. Like, if it was a playoff game, Russ would play. Like, that's the bottom line. Like, I, I don't think uh, he has any serious ailment with that right quad contusion. They're just being extra cautious. As far as Eric Gordon, uh, they definitely uh, have been treating him around the clock, uh, according to Gordon himself. They've, uh, they've really uh, put him into extra gear rehab-wise, and He's been responding well to it, so he's he's gonna come back. And I I, I think it, you know, I, I want to see how he looks before I make any particular judgments about on it. But obviously, you'd like to have him for you know maybe three games before the playoffs. But I think yeah. two, two games is fine. You know, two games. I think I think he'll be fine come playoff time. He might be on a little bit of a minutes limitation those fa- those last two games of the season. But I think come playoff time, he's gonna play his normal thirty minutes per game, and it's not really gonna make a difference. You know, Eric, to me, and I hate to say this because it's so cliche, Salman, but he is the X factor. He, to me, is everything about this team. If he can play well and he shoots the ball consistently well and he can be the same defensive perimeter presence he has been in the playoffs, he's been a clutch performer for them. This team's ceiling rises even higher. And and, and I know it's very basic to say that, but I truly do believe it. Eric Gordon is going to deliver the Rockets a championship if he can stay healthy and play um, like he did a few years ago. Yeah, he, he is very important. Um, so as I mentioned, he's expected to return sooner rather than later. Mike D'Antoni told us the goal for him is to play one or two seeding games for the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote about this in my newsletter last week, but I, I think the natural question here is like, what did they do with Daniel House now? Because Daniel yeah. House has been playing his ass off ever since the Rockets came to Orlando. 
Before the Kings game, he was averaging 16.8 points, 4.0 rebounds, 46% shooting from the field, 41% shooting from three-point range. Uh, does he now just have to return to the bench, you think, or does Mike D'Antoni soften his stance and keep rolling with that same starting lineup? You know, so I want to I want to get the listeners two points about this. The first, and I think the point that hasn't been really talked about when people ask, oh, is Daniel House starting over Eric or not, blah, 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 blah. Daniel House is our backup four. When Robert Covington and P.G. Tucker, when one of them takes a rest, rest, they need to have Daniel House in there to play that backup four. Um, and, and, and that was the rationale for Coach D'Antoni starting Eric Gordon, along with the other rationale is if you bring in Eric Gordon after the first six minutes to play with James and then play with Russ, that's six minutes less that he would be playing throughout the game. He wants to start him because it just makes his, makes his rotations much more smoother. And I, and, and, I, and, and I agree. You want Eric Gordon to play with Russell Westbrook the same way the Rockets pair Ben McLemore's minutes with James Harden. They need to have, they, each of those ball handlers needs to be paired up with one great shooter. And ultimately for Russ, having a guy like Eric Gordon who can not only shoot the ball but break, the, break down the defense himself um, is a very big deal. And, and so I, I think for me, I, I understand Daniel House is great as a starter. He's, the Rockets are 35-17 and 17 this season when Daniel House starts. They are 9-8 and eight when Daniel House comes off the bench. That's not a coincidence. That's because Daniel House ups his game and plays great um, whenever he plays with P.J. in early in the season with Clint and then now with Robert. These three, that three-man front court essentially for the Rockets, these first few games without Eric Gordon in the bubble, they've been great defensively after that Mavs game. And, and, I, and I don't think it's a coincidence because you're, you're having all that length and Daniel was one of the better rebounders on the team. However, that being said, to have Eric's confidence there, Eric's chemistry there with James and Russ, for me, I'd like to see him start. Yeah, I think Dan, Dan Tony's even mentioned that it makes it much easier to rest Gordon because otherwise there's a pressure to squeeze those 30 minutes in in, those, yeah. in, in that last 30, 42 minutes. Uh, by, by the way, let me be clear. I don't think this issue is as important as the fan base thinks it is. Like, I think the difference between who starts and who's a sixth man for this team is pretty negligible. Like, they're both going to play 30 minutes per game regardless, and Eric Gordon's going to close uh, the game, game for the Rockets either way. And it, the only thing is it's, it's an issue for the fan base cares about, so we have to keep asking the questions no matter how much Mike D'Antoni gets annoyed by it, and he is getting annoyed by it, by the way, uh, every press conference, he, uh, he kind of rolls his eyes when he gets the question, but, um, it's one of those things where like guys like Mike D'Antoni knows what he's doing. He knows his roster better than everybody, uh, asking this question. So I, I would, I would give him more trust. I know there's this, this sentiment out there among Rockets fans that Mike D'Antoni doesn't know what the hell he's doing. I promise you he does. Uh, I promise you he knows this roster pretty well. Um, he'll make the right decision come playoff time, whatever it is. Uh, I, it, it's not really a big issue for me. It, it, it doesn't matter to me who starts. I think, you know, um, it, it is a little cleaner to have Eric Gordon come off the bench uh, off for offensive purposes, but honestly, it really makes no difference either way. So let's talk about the on-court product. Uh, the Rockets have gone 4-1 and one since the bubble started. That's tied for second along with five other teams and that have also gone 4-1. and one. We know their offense has been good, but here's the surprising thing. Their defense has been better. The Rockets are just outside the top 10 in bubble offensive rating, but they have a top 5 bubble defensive rating, and overall, they have the 4th best net rating in the bubble. By the way, 
All five games have been without Eric Gordon, and two of those games have been without Russell Westbrook. And remember, this was a team that actually went 1-4 and four before the season stopped. How impressed have you been with how Houston has played within the bubble? I think the Rockets are playing phenomenal defensively. And for me, I'm not going to lie to you, man. They're giving me vibes of that 2017-2018 Western Conference team. The way they're focused off the ball defensively, the way they're playing their switches, how physically they are, I think that's a big thing that um, if you're if you're a listener, that you, next time you watch the Rockets play, pay attention to how physical they are at the point of attack. That's the big thing. When they're committed, especially in the clutch, they're guiding those switches. That's a philosophy that Coach Bezdelic had when he was here. When the when the two defenders who are switching the assignment are guiding the switches, essentially taking the player by the shoulders or pushing them to the other assignment. They're playing physical off the ball. They're communicating really well. PJ Tucker and Robert Covington are doing a great job as a low man. Basically, whenever there's a switch that needs to be made to give them the advantage against a bigger player, they're doing that. All these things, that's a sign of why their 2017-2018 team was so successful defensively. They're starting to emulate more and more of that. And they're giving me a lot more confidence in that if you're a Houston fan, you can rely on this defense to execute in the playoffs against the better offensive teams in the league. Yeah, and that's really been my question all year with this team, right? Like, we we always knew this team was going to be great offensively. That was never a question. My, my question was always, like, how good can they be defensively? Because that's the only thing holding them back. Like, that's the only, it's literally the only thing holding them back when we talk about the Rockets as contenders. Like, we would put them in that same tier as the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks if they were good defensively, but they haven't been. They've been mediocre. Uh, and in the bubble, they've been top five, which is great. And their switching has been great. And the physicality, as you mentioned, has been good. And it's something that um, James Harden actually talked about after the second or third game where the Rockets kept getting into foul trouble, particularly Harden. And nobody really knew what the hell was going on. But what happened was the Rockets were playing really physical and daring these refs to call it because they're they're the smaller team. They have to be physical. They have to be down low they have to use their bodies in a way which may not be in accordance to the rule book but it's it helps them gain advantage little advantages that helps them play this way and that that's what's really been impressive to me it's been how how strong they've been uh especially after the team gets the offensive rebound second chance defense you know that that's a that's a new term with the rockets uh, i i think i believe they invented it whatever wherever the hell it came from uh after that offensive rebound comes off the rim, they've been really good at being able to get that second stop because they know they're going to they're gonna give up a bunch of offensive rebounds. That, that, that's a given. But they've been able to su- successfully contain that second uh, offensive uh, possession. No, I, and I agree. And I think there's one, if there's a stat that really stands out to me, it's the, it's the sheer amount of turnovers they've forced. Um, Number since- one in the bubble. Number one in the bubble. I mean, you have James Harden, Robert Covington going uh, going wire to wire. Who's going to end up being steals champion, deflections champion? I mean, both of them have been outstanding. So since the restart, all right, this is since the restart, the Rockets have forced 20 or more turnovers in three of their five games, and opponents are averaging 19, almost basically almost 20 turnovers a game. Um, and the, the, during the regular season, so in those five games, that's happened three times. During the regular season, those 64 games, it only happened five times. They are playing much more aggressively, which they need to. They're allowing Robert Covington to do what he does and use his quick hands. James has been on another level, especially on the post, with teams just, I don't know why they keep attacking him, but they are. And the Rockets are averaging almost 11 steals a game. When they do that, they're almost unbeatable. 
So all these things are trending in the right direction if you're a Houston fan. And, and I mean, I will say this with one caveat for everybody listening. These teams in the regular season, I wouldn't really put too much stock into some of these games because they're not a game plan game. And what I mean by that is teams are starting to understand you can't keep posting up James. The best way to beat the Rockets is not by posting up and kind of feeding into what they're doing in terms of kind of making you isolated, making you post up. But it's to run your offense and be comfortable in your own offense. If you can do that, you're forcing and you're banking on the Rockets to make a mistake. Which, yes, their defense has improved significantly and I'm hyping them up. But at the same time, this is not the playoffs just yet. We don't know how it's going to end up when D'Antoni goes to the 8-9 man rotation. We have to see that happen. If, as long as if you're an opposing offense and you're, play, and you're staying true to your offense, you're, you're not you know, posting up your big man or doing things where it feeds into Houston's math advantage. You, you give yourself a good chance to beat this Houston team. Yeah, but you say that, and at the same time, that's exactly what the Bucks did. The Bucks played their game. They, they, nev- they never escaped it. They, they let the, the Rockets get up like 62 threes. Uh, that's, that's their game plan. The Bucks give up the most threes in the NBA, like they, and they're successful at it. Um, and it didn't work. It, it's, it's much easier said than done, yes. especially mm-hmm. when they're demoralizing you like that, when they're continuously getting open three after open three after open three. And, you know, like in your head, you know the percentages, right? Like you know that Jeff Green's not a great three-point shooter. But mm-hmm. if he's hitting like three out of the last four possessions, like you're gonna want to close out and and screw the defensive plan, right? It 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 takes a ton of discipline that only maybe two teams in the NBA have right now defensively. Like th- this has been a pretty average year as far as NBA defense is concerned. The top end has been really good, right? The Lakers and the Bucks have been really good defensively. Every other team has been kind of wishy washy. You know, the Heat have been okay. Uh, you would think they'd be a better defense than they are. They're about average. Uh, they're about they're mm-hmm. like like ten or nine or something like that. Uh, the Raptors have been really good, but again, they're not historically good like the Bucks. Like they're they're just good, and like it takes a ton of discipline to be able to defend the Rockets like that consistently on a night in night out basis. And what you mentioned about the turnovers, right? Like forcing a bunch of turnovers and getting up by a bunch of deflections per game. This if you go back. To last season, the second half of last season, okay. the, the Rockets actually made a run defensively, right? They, they were actually playing a lot better defensively. Yes. This, this, is, mm-hmm. this is the Chris Paul team. And they were doing that not by traditional means, not by boxing out, getting a bunch of rebounds, playing traditional defense and ending possessions like that. They were forcing turnovers like they're doing right now. It's a very new school philosophy. Uh, so, I, you know, it's, it's unproven. But for the Rockets, they think it can work come playoff time. You know, it's something that I think only the Warriors have been able to successfully do one year. Uh, and and other than that, I have not been like you know I've, I've looked through the numbers. I have not been able to find another team that's done it. But the Rockets are trying it, and you know it's it's pretty much the only way they can be a good defense, and it's working right now. They're top five in the, in the bubble, so give them credit for what they've done so far. I guess. No, and, and so I think that's a great point. And from a strategic perspective, if you're an opposing team. Right, and I and I said this earlier. You have to play within your own offense. I mean, that's tough. Like I said, that's easier said than done. If you're the Rockets, you're inviting teams to post up your your smaller guys who are stout enough to hold their own. But if you post them up, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to give up two points. But if a team plays within their offense and the amount of three point the three point volume you were seeing in the league, that's one less three point attempt you're making a team take. Right, and then if you get a turnover, that restarts a fast break for you to go on the other end and be able to knock some shots down. So the Rockets are essentially 
helping their mathematical advantage by playing aggressive and forcing teams to lull into those switches and attack in isolation. And like you said, it's going to come down to which team, you know, can can be disciplined, not just on the defensive end, but the offensive end against the Rockets, because the Rockets make you do things you normally wouldn't do. And it's not just a small ball or the skill ball that's unorthodox. It's their whole philosophy defensively. And if you fall into that trap, you're going to lose to the Rockets in the series. Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on your personnel, right? Like, the, the Warriors were able to successfully do it because they have Kevin Durant, right? And they have Stephen Curry, right? They, they have good isolation players. Not every team has those guys, right? You look at the Western Conference, you know, you're, you're talking about, like, basically the, the Clippers are so uniquely positioned for the Rockets, like, more than any other team in the NBA. Like, yes. like mm-hmm. every argument you can make in favor of the Rockets, the Clippers break that, which is why uh, the seeding implications are going to be so interesting when we talk about that later in the podcast. But... You know, you're talking about like two, maybe three players in the Western Conference that can really isolate at a high enough clip to where it doesn't matter what what defense the Rockets are playing because they have those two isolation players to lean on. But every other team in the NBA doesn't have that, so it's going to be really good for them for the first couple rounds. It'll be interesting to see how good they're they're able to defend these isolation players because again, the Rockets aren't slouches in isolation defense, right? They have two good isolation defenders in uh, P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how well those guys, and, you know, they switch a lot. So you're going to see Daniel House, James Harden, you know, oftentimes guarding those guys too. How, how good those guys are able to fare against these great isolation players. I agree. And for those listening, by the way, just to kind of throw this stat out there, per Synergy Sports, so it's all based off points per possession for the opposing team. The Rockets rank third in isolation defense. So if the Rockets can switch and effectively get a team out of their rhythm and force them to go one-on-one, that, that's, a good, that's a good thing because the Rockets are one of the best teams in the league at it. So I talked about this a little on, on last week's podcast, and I wrote about it again a little bit this week. That Bucks game completely changed my perspective on this team. On this team. Okay. okay. Like, I hate to borrow a Bill Simmons trope, but if the aliens landed on Earth tomorrow and we had to pick a t- an NBA team to defend the planet, it would probably be the Bucks, right? Like the, yes. Objectively, the Bucks have been the best team in basketball this year by pretty yes. much every metric you can find. And their size has given the Rockets a ton of trouble over the past two years. Like the Bucks were 3-0 and uh, against the Rockets before that matchup. The fact yes. that Houston was able to beat that team, and not, not only beat that team, if they stayed close, I would have been impressed. But the fact they were able to beat that team with the size that they gave up, to me, shows the kind of ceiling that they have I had trouble buying into Houston as a legitimate title contender before that before that game. Now I don't. I think they're for real. Did that game have a similar effect on you, or were you already bought in on what they were doing? I I, I, I think I, after the trade, I was bought into the fact that they were going to be a low-floor, high-ceiling team. But I think one thing that validated for me that I've been kind of preaching to Rockets fans for a while is that Coach D'Antoni knows what he's doing. And I mean, you said that earlier in the podcast, but Coach D'Antoni knows what he's doing. And I want to bring up just a small story. So when we talked to Daryl Morey Salman uh, before the start of the preseason or something around that time, and and Daryl talked about um, the new set offensively uh, that Coach D'Antoni was going to add. It was a big hubbub on Twitter, like, oh, my God, like, what is he going to do? You know, we've seen some new things, and, and I think I've, I have an idea of what that new set is or the new action is, but I, I, I don't. I don't not too confident in saying it yet where I can share it. But there's something else that Dan, uh, Daryl Morey said that really piqued my interest about D'Antoni. He said that Coach D'Antoni always does the smallest things 
but that are, those small things are always the most effective. And in that Bucks game, the Rockets beat the Bucks because of this one small adjustment. And what that was is, you know they're going to have Brooke Lopez and drop coverage. And without a center, Brooke Lopez is supposed to be guarding P.J. Tucker. So if James Harden's going downhill, they're going to give that up, and one shooter's going to be open with Brooke Lopez in the paint, and that's P.J. Tucker. Open three well, after open three. Yeah. Open three after open three. But th- that's not the thing. That's not the adjustment or the small part. I'm, that's, not, not, that's not like the thing I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the Rockets started off the game in 2-2, in 2-2 alignment. And for those who are listening, don't know what I mean is when James Harden is isolating, the it's not just uh, it's not just like oh he's you know dribbling the ball dribbling the air out of the ball. They're doing it strategically. If you have two players on both sides, right? That's two shooters on both sides. That means one of them can help off of James, and that doesn't that 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 give that takes away space for him to get inside the paint. But if it is two two alignment, once he gets past that first defender, he's already at the rim. If it's 3-1 alignment, what that means is James at the top of the key, three shooters on one side, one shooter on the other. That gives James more space to attack off the dribble initially and then be able to kick out and do things. So what the Rockets did after the first possession, you can go look back if you want to watch the Bucks game. First possession was 2-2 alignment. After that, they went straight to 3-1 alignment. P.J. Tucker by himself in the corner, other three guys on the opposite side. James just continued to attack, and he was either P.J. or somebody else in that weak side corner. Because the bu- the Bucks were helping off him so much, that's such a small adjustment and in, 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 in like in the matter of big things. But that was such a big deal for the Rockets because it allowed them to shoot that volume that they were doing. The Bucks were inviting them to shoot, so the Rockets were like, "Okay, you're gonna invite us to shoot, we will, but we're gonna make sure we let our best shooters and best and our best shooters from the best places knock down those attempts." And that's what they did. And and you're seeing Coach D'Antoni make those tactical adjustments. Coach Brett Gunning uses offensive genius to be able to put these guys in position. The spacing has been terrific. There's a reason why Ben McLemore and the other guys are doing so well in the bubble is because the coaching staff has been putting these guys in the proper position and the proper alignment with Russell Westbrook and James on isolating to be able to shoot those open shots and make them. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus NFL Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSunday.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code Blue wire. Yeah, and we talked about the discipline it takes for other teams to defend the Rockets. It also takes a certain level of discipline to keep shooting those threes when they're going one for 12, three for nine as individual players, right? If, if, if I'm a player and I've shot like one for 12 from three, but my coach is telling me to keep shooting those threes, like, you know, you have a tendency to kind of phase them out. And you know, you know what, like, it's not working for me tonight. I'm just going to, I'm going to do something else. But P.J. Tucker yeah. and Jeff Green, those guys kept, to their credit, they kept taking those threes, no matter miss or make. They knew mathematically, this is a good shot for me. This wide open three, my percentage is way up there. So I'm going to keep shooting them because eventually I know the math will work out in my favor. The Rockets ended the game shooting 34% from three. But again, they were like in the 20s in this game. Like they were shooting poorly. So it takes a certain level to keep a certain level of discipline to keep shooting those threes. For sure, and, and and I think that's going to be big because teams are going to pick who they're leaving open. So the Rockets, when that happens, the Rockets will counter. They're going to put out an alignment 
when they're like, okay, you're going to pick this guy to keep shooting threes and you're picking that specific spot to leave open, well, we're just going to go ahead and put our best shooter there. And that's, that's going to be the chess match in the playoffs. And as long as P.J. Tucker and, and, and Robert Covington and Jeff Green, all these bigs can continue to knock these shots down, Daniel House hitting step-back threes at a respectable rate. If those guys can knock down shots, that rocket ceiling that I was talking about earlier goes even higher. Yeah, since they've gone to microball, they've beaten the Lakers, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Jazz, the Mavericks. Like these are really good teams. Like they may not be in that same tier as the as the Bucks, the Lakers, and the Clippers, but to me, they're right at the top of that tier, right below those teams. Like Houston is the greatest threat to knock out one of those LA teams in the Western Conference. I think we've reached that point where it's become pretty definitive. Like the only team you could say has a case is maybe the Nuggets, but I'm not really sure if I would give them that deference. Like. The Jazz are dog food for all these contenders right now. The Thunder are interesting, but I don't think they're in the, they're good enough to knock off one of these LA teams. And the Mavericks and Grizzlies are either too young or too hurt in the case of the Grizzlies, right? The Grizzlies lost Jaron Jackson Jr. And, I mean, even if they had Jaron Jackson Jr., they're not good enough to beat one of these LA teams, right? Um, the yeah. Rockets are by far the best team of the, groups, of the group of teams I just listed. The Mavs, I will say this, so I'm excited for that. I don't know if it's going to happen after... All these teams lost today to, the, to avoid the Rockets, but we'll talk about Mavs, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the Mavs end up playing the Clippers, that's going to be a hell of a series. It's going to be fun. Yeah, again, like uh, I, I talk about the Mavs every week now, and I feel like I'm becoming a broken record. They're a lot better than the general public thinks they are. Like their record is not what they are. They're much better than a seventh seed. They're probably closer to a fifth or a sixth seed, or maybe even a top four seed. If you just look at their numbers, they're they're just losing clutch games. They should be better than what they are. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the ball boom with the Rockets. It's part of the reason I brought you on because that Portland game, like the way Houston's responding to these hardened traps. And I asked Harden about this after the game, like they worked on that yeah. during, yeah. uh, Orlando training camp. Like they had Jeff green in the middle, breaking the traps as a playmaker. They found out during the training camp that he was pr- pretty effective as a second passer. And they're using him in those second units as that when they don't have Russ on the floor, which I think is fascinating. Normally, Russ is in that spot, right? Russ cuts to the middle, makes that pat, that second pass after Harden gets trapped. Now they're using Jeff Green there. And the ball movement, like the side-to-side ball movement that the Rockets are, are showing, like I didn't know they had this in them. Like they're really entertaining to me now. Like I, I, I watch every Rockets game like twice now because the, the ball movement is just so pretty. Like, the, like once teams start trapping Harden, like, it's just ball movement fest. Open shooter after open shooter after open shooter. Like, it's swing, 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 open shooter. Swing, 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 open shooter. Like, it's become such a fascinating wrinkle that they've added to this offense uh, that they have that middle guy kind of passing out to the open shooter whenever uh, that shooter is open. And if that if that shooter is not open, he's going to swing it to the next guy. It's very spursy, but it, it, it's spursy in a break in case of emergency kind of way because they don't normally play that way. They're only playing that way kind of by emergency. You know, and, and so I think one thing that, I mean, you didn't mention, but I mean, that's just because he was injured. Eric Gordon, when he comes back, and I've, I've talked about, I've talked to Eric Gordon about this um, during the season. This was early in the season. I asked him, you know, when you're healthy, do you think teams are going to continue to double team James the way they do? And he's like, well, let them do it. Because if Russ is in the middle and he's in the slot, Russ can just pass it to him in the slot. You have PJ in one corner, and you likely have Robert Cummington or somebody else who's a good corner shooter on the opposite corner. Who are you going to give the three to? All three are capable shooters. Eric Gordon is great from that slot position, knocking down those wing threes. PJ Tucker is great from either corner. 
You can have Robert Cummington, who's been a great three-point. Uh, he's been developing as a good corner shooter or even a slot shooter. I mean, who are you going to give up that three-ball to? And that guy um, is willing to shoot the ball. By the way, Robert Covington has zero hesitation when shooting the basketball. It, it's I, fu- it's funny to watch. It's very Jeff Green esque in the in, in terms of the angles he catches the ball at, where the defender is, and his and he ends up still taking the shot. It, it's it's funny. Like he he has. It's like it's like he's been waiting to play for the Rockets his entire life because he's just taking every single shot he t- he gets. It, it's not like PJ Tucker who who for a while was an unwilling corner shooter, like and and grew into a, a willing corner shooter. Like he's just a willing shooter off of the bat. Very Ben McLemore and Gerald Green esque. Robert Covington to me, I'm already I'm already declaring it. he's a clutch guy, man. He is a clutch performer. There's been so many games where I think the Rockets are going to lose. They need a big shot. I guess like James is missing. And then out of nowhere, Robert Covington hits a big shot down the stretch. I mean, this guy is a clutch performer. And I think when teams double, and I think they definitely will continue to do so because the stats say it's effective, even though I, we know it's not. The stats say it's effective. When teams double, you know, I think Robert Covington is going to hit a few big shots for the Rockets in the playoffs. But to your credit, the double team, they've been act- attacking it really well. One thing in that Portland game that the the Blazers did that's, that's really interesting. I think the Rockets will definitely work on it. Like to your to your point, how much they have worked on it. They're when you are a defense and you want to stop James Harden, you want to get the ball out of his hands, so you double team. But if you have Russell Westbrook as a safety valve in the middle of the floor, you can't just give him all that space to attack on his own. You need to bring a third guy. So besides the two guys double teaming, you need to bring a third guy high. So when Russ catches the ball, he can't just go take a straight dive to the rim and pass it to the open three. Um, and the Blazers did that. And that really took Russ out of rhythm. And, I mean, that was – okay, albeit that was probably the game he struggled the most um, in, in his time in the bubble. But that's an effective strategy I think other teams will do whenever they are bigger. So teams like the Lakers, teams like the Jazz, teams like the Thunder, who have that length, I can see them putting two on the ball, having a guy play high enough, and allowing one guy on the weak side to defend two shooters and then one guy on the opposite side defending that one shooter. And they're going to take their chances and one of those three guys shooting the ball and having one of those two, I mean, one of those shooters besides Russ or James uh, for the Rockets, uh, uh, shooting for the Rockets. And, And so that's a unique strategy. There are counters to it that you can do. There are certain screens. There's flare screens that you can do. But I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think the Blazers gave us, whoever the Rockets' first-round opponent is, a, a defensive scheme that they can implement. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Dash is offering our listeners an extra free 100 bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use offer code REDHOOPS. That's hoops with three O's. Or DealDash.fm slash REDHOOPS. Again, that's hoops with three O's. That's D-E-A. L D A S H dot F M slash red hoops. Now back to the show. Yeah, and, and for the most part, we've been talking about that high post guy looking for shooters, right? And yeah, 
That guy's also looking for cutters. Like Robert Covington, by the way, really great cutter. Like he gives them an yes. element of athleticism that they didn't have before. And cutting to the basket, that's a target that 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 middle guy, that high post guy, is looking for. That whether it's Jeff Green or Russell Westbrook, that guy has to look, keep his head up for those cutters because if they're attacking the basket, they can get closer to that guy, get the cleaner pass, and get the wide open layup. And it, it's just an interesting element. Like they they. That middle guy can have so many options if he's quick enough because he has to be quick because the defense is going to react to that, right? Like, he, like It's already stepped up on them, so they already know what Houston's response is going to be. They already know where that first pass is going to be. That that deep, that, that tie post guy has to be faster than the second pass. You know, I will say I will say this about Russ. One thing, if I'm an opposing defense, how much stock do you put into Russ's pass into the corner? I know Russ loves so, – someone, you know this. When Russ attacks, he's not looking to shoot. He's looking to pass. And he always passes to the corner. Sometimes his passes are a little off target. So if you pressure him high, and that's that the high defender that I'm talking about, if that high defender is there off the double team and James passes it to Russ and Russ is kind of pressured and he throws a pass to the open shooter in the corner, is that pass going to be on target? Are, if you're an opposing team, do you take a chance of Russ making a pass like that to the corner, having the shooter have to adjust, then shoot the ball and with a semi-contest? Like, I think all these things play a role in what defense is going to do. But I think the easiest counter, like you talked about, if you're the Rockets, is if there's three guys defending James and Russ together with the double team and then the, the safety valve and then with the guy playing high, you need to cut. You have Robert, you have Daniel House, and both those guys, I mean, Jeff Green, all three of those guys are players that Coach D'Antoni thinks can add a, uh, um, a segment of vertical spacing to their team. Uh, you're going to have to rely on those cutting. You have to rely on those flare screens. Basically, make that weak side defender pay, make that whole defense play for stepping up and overloading the way they are. Have you ever seen that that rebound machine like that's in gyms? Like the, the ball will go through the net and come back out and shoot, and come, and shoot the ball back, back to you? Have you yeah, seen, I have. Yeah, yeah, so if I were the Rockets in practice, I would just aim that rebound machine like to your groin because th- that's where some of these passes are going with Russ. Like, like I would I would set up a drill to where that ball is going to your groin. You're, you're having to catch the ball low. <laughs> and just shooting it over and over and over again because oh, because that's how out of control some of these rush passes can be at that times. But yeah, I mean you're right. Like they're they're not always on target. They're not always on time. Uh, that is a skill that Russ needs to develop and work on. Uh, I'm sure they have, by the way. I'm, sh- I'm sure they they've uh, they've worked on a lot of the stuff during the Orlando training camp because again, you don't work on the, you don't have that that guy set up at the high post like that unless you've talked about it before. That's not a natural place to be in the basketball on the basketball court. Jeff Green's not out there shooting mid range jumpers. Yeah, if you're if you're a shooter, right, it's not as big of a deal as you would think, right? In terms of if a pass is a little bit to your right or to your left, you can adjust and shoot it. No, no, but it's, in it's terms, a big deal. In, it's a big deal. It's not. It's no big deal. No, it is but, a big deal. It is. I mean, it, well, I would say I, I think in more than anything, it's the timing in terms of the defense and the rotation. If you have, if you get the pass, but you can still adjust and shoot the ball because of how open you are, it's not a big deal. But sometimes if he's going. And a let's say a guy's helping off the corner and Russ makes that pass. If it's a little bit to the right or to the left, that's an extra few milliseconds that he has to take to adjust before gathering and releasing. So in that point, it is a big deal. But I think if the if it comes out of a double team and he comes to the corner, I don't think it'll be as big of a deal. No, you're right. It, the timing is definitely key. If he can get a couple extra seconds to readjust after that pass goes flagrantly to his groin, then he's then he's in a good spot. <laughs> but 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 if, if he if he doesn't have that time. Then I mean you you might as well pass it back out to Harden and, and re, retry the set again. But yeah, um, yeah I mean I, I've been impressed. I've been impressed by the ball movement. Like it's it's definitely something they worked on. It's something I've noticed, uh, and it's something 
I'm, I'm curious to see how disciplined they are continuing to do it uh, and continue to take the shots when they're not going in. Because that Portland game, the shots were going in. They're not always going to yeah. go in, right? Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk about the playoff seeding because uh, I wrote about this in my newsletter today. The Jazz have a ton of incentive to dodge the Rockets in the first round. And today, uh, let, me, let me go ahead and read you the lineup they were starting in the fourth quarter today. I just, just want to read you the names, all right? All right, let's do this. Ray John Tucker, Emmanuel Moutier, me, Ani. I don't even know. I, I don't even, I've never seen that name before. Gerald Brantley. These guys all played above 20 minutes per game in the fourth quarter. Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, and Royce O'Neal, and Jordan Clarkson all played less than 20 minutes. Like, the Jazz aren't even hiding it. They do not want to play Houston. They, they, they are doing everything in their willpower to dodge that 4-5 matchup with the Rockets. And it's interesting because the Rockets... Uh, the Rockets still have a chance to jump up to the third seed. Like Den- Denver's schedule, I'm not sure if you checked out Denver's remaining schedule. It's a beast. Like they played the Lakers today. I think they have the Clippers coming up, and then they have the Raptors. It'll be interesting to see if some of those teams rest guys down the stretch, and maybe they'll be able to win some of those games and hang on to the third seed. But if the Rockets can, if if Denver loses a couple of those games, the Rockets are able to climb up to the third seed. The Rockets still might be able to get the three six matchup with the Jazz. So. It, Here's my here's my greatest scenario right here. I, I, I want to tell you my greatest scenario. Let's do this. So the Jazz drop down to the six seed. They're embarrassing themselves on national TV, and they drop down to the six seed. The the Nuggets drop down to the four seed. The Rockets catch the third seed, and the Jazz did all that for nothing because the Rockets still play them in the first round. That's my dream scenario. Like I don't really care who the Rockets play in the second round. Again, I'm just here to cover the team. Like that would be my dream scenario because I am tired. Of these late season shenanigans, I am so done. I'm like the NBA needs to do something about it. Michael Malone has started a trend last year. That's it's 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 embarrassing for the league. I think it's it's a it's a black eye. Uh, they they need to do something about these late season tank jobs because it is abominable to watch some of these games. I was actually watching that game because the seating implications were interesting to me, and it well, just I mean, got completely ruined. Well, I mean. So my, come on, man. I mean, if you are a part of a team and you know it's gonna, it's not to your best interest of playing a certain team versus the other. Wouldn't you want to? Don't be a wuss. Don't be a wuss. Don't be a wimp. All right, man up. Uh, play as hard as you can to close the season out. You know, maybe rest guys if as needed. But I mean, they but played their guys. I mean, you're Donovan like Mitchell rested all of them. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was out. They 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 played their guys, but 15 minutes. That's not playing their guys. Like they intentionally lost that game. You watch the game. They they lost that game on purpose. Like it's not just like they rested their guys. They lost that game on purpose. Oh, I mean, I agree. I think they lost. I think they purposely put that lineup out there to give themselves less of a chance to win. But I mean, come on, man. Look, no, if you're the no, Jazz. No. Why would you want to play the Rockets? Why would you want to play the Rockets if you're the Jazz? I understand why they're doing it. They shouldn't be allowed to do it because it's such a black eye. And 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 by the way, if if you're the playoff team, like like what is your goal as an organization for the Jazz? Like what is your ultimate goal, right? Like I, I'm assuming get the championship, right? Yeah. So you're. Well, I'll you're, say this: you're if you're saying you can't beat the Rockets, how the how the hell are you going to beat the Clippers and the Lakers? If right. I'm the Jazz, I'm asking the Jazz that. Right, like that, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I, if you if you're dodging, if you're out here dodging these guys in the first round, what is the point? Why are you even trying to win a championship? Because then, I, I get like the Nuggets last year was a little different, right? Because they could have avoided the Rockets like bracket completely and possibly had a nice little path to the finals, right? And, and theoretically, the Jazz this year, 
I don't. First of all, I don't think they're a title contender. No, not without Bogdanovich. This team is that they miss him a lot. They, oh they, my goodness, they have some issues. But the the Jazz do not have the same title implications that the Nuggets had last year. Like if if you're the Nuggets, I mean if you're if you're the Jazz, your goal is to end the season out with the, the best record you can, play a hard first round series, and see what happens. That that, that that's your realistic goal. Because if your realistic goal is a title, these shenanigans right here, they're not getting you anywhere. And and if you're the NBA, the, the, there needs to be some. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a fine. Maybe it's maybe it's a like a punishment. Maybe they take away a second round draft pick or something. Pro- probably not at that extreme, but some there needs to be something in place to prevent this from happening because it's just such a bad look. Like I, I'm I'm out here trying to enjoy some of these seating application games. And they're throwing out this lineup with guys I've never even heard before. It's 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 bad. It's bad. I, I don't like it. Uh, I it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm I'm actively rooting for the Rockets to get the third seed so they can play the Jazz in the second round. Like I I I want to see uh, karma and the basketball gods reign supreme on them. I I, I want the basketball gods to have no mercy on their soul. <laughs> oh my God, man. I look, bro. The Jazz understand if they play the Nuggets that they can win, so they're gonna want to play can the Nuggets. They? Can they? Okay, did, would you would you pick the Jazz in a series against the Nuggets? No, I would not. I think the Nuggets so, are a great team. But that being said, like for them, they probably think their best chance in terms of bracket is to get on get in that four or five or whatever six. I don't know what they're trying to do. I, just, I think they're just trying to play the, the Denver Nuggets, and if they if they can play the Lakers in the second round, for them just being able to match up. Uh, with with using Gobert as a big, they don't want Gobert on the bench. They want him playing. Um, and so I, I think in terms of that, like you you want to maximize your chance because you never know what could happen, bro. One injury here, one injury there. Jazz have a chance. I mean, I, I know. I, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's crazy stop, to say. Stop, 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 <laughs> stop. Have a chance at what? I need you to explain, flesh that out a little bit. Have a chance at what? Do the Jazz have if, if one injury happens awry here or there? Where do they have a chance at? I mean, they miss Bogdanovich for sure as a shooter, but I mean, you, it's the Jazz are a good defensive team, man. They can give themselves a chance. Donovan Mitchell can play well. You never know. No, no, no. Flesh that out. Chance at what? I want you to. I want you to explain what you just said there. For okay, chance, chance at, at chance at least chance at at least getting to uh, a Western Conference Finals. I disagree. I disagree. This team is a disaster. Like I, I've watched this. I've watched a lot of Jazz games in the bubble. They are not good. I mean, they they are like every non Lakers team wants to play the Jazz right now. They are fish food. They are fish food right now. They are every team's goal opponent. That 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 just that right there t- tells you everything you you need to know about the Jazz. And listen, it's not their fault. They can't control that Bogdanovich got injured. They can't control that that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell randomly hate each other. They can't control those things, <laughs> oh right? But 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 it is it is what it is. That they are fish food for all these Western Conference teams. I, well, I, I, even if an injury goes here or there, in their favor, I would not have. I, I can't think of many scenarios where I have the Jazz go to the Western Conference Finals. Well, I mean, yeah, it's very unlikely, but it's possible. You know what I mean? But I digress. I digress. Anything's possible. If we're if we're going to talk about what's possible, it's not probable, and that's my right. case, that's my I thing agree. here. I got it. Yeah. Well, I, I do have a question for you. And in terms of the Rockets, if you're the Rockets, rank rank them for me because right now we know kind of where they're going to end up being. They're probably going to be the third or fourth seed. 
Rank, rank the matchups for me. Who would you rather play in the first round between the Jazz, the Thunder, and who else we got here? Um, who else could it be? So my Nuggets and, and, and uh, no, they can, probably can't play the no, Nuggets. That's, that's Ma- it. The, the, the Mavericks are locked in that 17. We're pretty much talking Thunder or Jazz. Okay, so let's say, let's say it's uh, Thunder or Jazz. Who would you rather play in the first round? If I'm the Rockets, or if, if I'm if I'm someone wanting to watch, let's do Rockets and then wanting to watch. Wanting to watch, I'd want to see Rockets Thunder, right? Like that, that. There's so much drama there. There's I agree. So, I agree. There's yes, so much appeal sure. there in that series. If I'm the Rockets, I want to play the Jazz. The, the the Jazz are again. I just said it. Like they're fish food. They're fish food for every one of these top four teams. They are okay. not. They are not going to be. They're they're not getting to the second round. Okay. Then then this next question is second round. Do you want to be on the Lakers side of the bracket or the Clippers side of the bracket? From the Rockets, I, you'd probably say the Lakers because the, the, the I, we talked about it earlier. The Clippers have a counter to everything the Rockets want to do theoretically as a basketball team. They can play micro ball better than the Rockets. They have personnel to play it better than the Rockets. So, and, and the Lakers, and we've seen it, uh, we've seen it once so far. But the, the Rockets are a terrible matchup for the Lakers. Like the Lakers do not want to play the Rockets. And if you asked me this two weeks ago, Salman, I would have told you if I'm the Rockets, I would rather be in the Clippers side of the bracket versus the Lakers. But these seeding games have really kind of changed my perspective, and I've learned never to doubt a LeBron James-led team. Never. I will never doubt one of those teams. However, however, when you look at their bench. That's my biggest question mark. J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters. You can you I haven't been able to look at that team and that bench and trust them to be able to not like not take on, but even come close to replicating the production that you saw from Avery Bradley, that you saw from a guy from I mean, Ray, Ray John Rondo. Ray John Rondo. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and so I mean the Avery Bradley thing is so big because that's another great defender besides Danny Green. You can throw at both Russell and James. And not having them is so, so, so big. So, like I said, if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have said I want to be, if I'm the Rockets, I want to play the Clippers, uh, Clippers in the second round. But I don't know anymore, man. The Clippers have looked really good. For me, it's a toss-up. I think ultimately you're going to have to play who you're going to have to play. The Lakers look a lot more vulnerable. But like I said, I will never doubt a LeBron James-led team. I've learned that. I've learned that lesson already. Yeah, listen, I, I've had my skepticism about this Lakers team all year. Like, I, I, I even even at full health, I never liked their bench. I never did. Like, I, I acknowledge that they were playing well as a, as a unit, and I acknowledge that they were they deserve to be the cream of the crop in terms of title contenders. I mean, I just talked about it. I think they're up there with the Bucks and the Clippers. I, I think the Clippers are the best team in Los Angeles. I, I, I love that team. I, I love the roster makeup. I love... I love the ceiling for that team on both ends of the floor. I love their depth. I, I, I think the, I think the Lakers are, are the second best team in the West. And if I'm the Rockets, I'd rather play them. And in terms of the seeding implications, I, I think the real question here is not whether or not you want to be on the Clippers side of the bracket or the Lakers side of the bracket. The question here is do you want to play OKC in round one and the, and the Lakers in round two? Or do you want to play the Jazz in round one and – the Clippers in round two. That's the that's the real question here. Like between those two brackets, which is more tantalizing to you? And I think you weigh the pros and cons, and I think you probably end up like I don't. It, 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 that's tough. That's a tough. That's a tough decision. I right? will say this. I will say this. That that Oklahoma City series 
between the Rockets and Thunder, if that happened, and they play the Lakers, both those series, I mean, sorry, Thunder, yeah, Thunder and Lakers, both those series wouldn't be short series. They'd be long series. If it was a Jazz yeah. and Clippers series, right. I think the Jazz would be a little relatively quicker. I'd say five, maybe. And you go and play the Clippers, I don't know. That's a toss-up to me. I think that goes to seven. But that, that like, I'm just looking at the mileage aspect of it. But which, which bracket do you cons. prefer? Which bracket do you prefer? That's the thing. I don't know, man. Do I like? I want if I'm the Rockets, I want James and Russ to be as fresh as they can be. I don't want them to go through as a physical but series early on. So I'd rather go through if I'm them the Jazz pathway. Yeah, I'm there. I, I I think I think that's where I'm I'm landing at. Like I, I think you prioritize the first round matchup and you worry about the second round matchup when you get there, right? Uh, I, I I think if you're the Rockets, you try your best to get that third seed. It's going to be hard because you're resting guys and you have injuries down the stretch. But the Clippers have not the Clippers. The Nuggets have a tough schedule down the stretch. Uh, we'll see how this Lakers game ends up tonight. Uh, it's going to be over by the time you guys are listening to this podcast, but we'll see. Um, and they have two other tough opponents left. We'll see if those two opponents are playing at their hardest. Uh, it's going to be fun, man. Like the the playoffs this year are going to be really fun. Especially the second round. The second round in both conferences are going to be oh my insane. 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 Yeah. yeah. That yeah. Eastern Conference playoffs, man. Wow. Oh, my. I, I, like, for me, I'm more excited about the Eastern Conference second round than I am the Western Conference second round. That Eastern Conference second round is going to be great. Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and then one of Heat, Pacers, and Sixers. I mean, think about that, dude. Incredible. I mean, like, that's... The, the tactical adjustments, the coaches. I mean, I don't know, man. I am really excited for for that second round of the Eastern Conference. I mean, obviously, yeah, we're going to have the Rockets and we're going to have the Lakers and Clippers and God knows whose other four team is going to be. But it's going to be really, really exciting and really fun to watch. I still I still tend to favor the Western Conference brackets. Like, I, I just generally think, like, like they're probably going to be better basketball play in the, in the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, even though the top of the East is much better this year. Uh, the Raptors are really intriguing, right? Like, uh, there's been this question uh, posed ever since the, the Detroit Pistons of 06 won that title with, with uh, Ben Wallace and Richard Hamilton and Rasheed Wallace. Yeah, that, that ever since that Detroit Pistons team won the title, there's been this question of whether or not you can win a title without a true, a true superstar, right? And this Raptors team is really testing the boundaries of that question. I, I don't I don't know if I would label them a title contender. I, I think I think if they get to the conference finals, again, every team in the conference finals deserves to be called a title contender at that point, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I have. You you have anything else you want to add before we head out? Nah, man, I'm I'm just really excited for the playoffs. If you're a Rockets fan, um, this team is starting to come together. They're starting to get healthy. Um, you know, they're, they're showing great signs um, defensively. I mean, they're, they're, they're gearing themselves up to as, have as good of a chance as they've had. And 2017-2018, they had a great chance. Last year when Kevin Durant went down, they had a great chance. This year, I think they'll have a great chance with the roster makeup they have. They have a, they have a chance to spoil, to be a team that gets there. Can they do it? We'll see. Um, so do you have anything to plug for head out? Nah, man, if... if uh, if you're a Rockets fan, just make sure you follow me on Twitter, Rockets underscore Insider, and please follow my YouTube channel at Rockets Film Room. For sure. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure to give us five stars on iTunes if you enjoy the show. And yeah, guys. Good night.
sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on all available 24-7. And with Return to Sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say and, and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.